Hi there. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Jonathan Mills Patrick. I'm a former C-level bank executive and three-time startup founder who loves to talk about all things life design, entrepreneurship, and finance. If you found value in the content I'm about to share, please consider leaving a rating on iTunes or any other podcast platform as that helps more entrepreneurs find the show. For more ways to connect with me, please visit my website at jonathanmillspatrick.com. Hey founders, hope you're having a good day. This past week, I had the opportunity to participate in a conference, the Inbound Marketing Conference from HubSpot. If you don't know who they are, look them up. They're pretty well-known inbound marketing uh, software company. I had the opportunity to participate in their annual conference. It's called Inbound 2021, pretty simple name. Didn't think that I was going to have the opportunity to sit in on it. I actually had it blocked off on my calendar uh, and I had a busy week coming up ahead of me. And as I got into that week, some openings came on my calendar and I thought I'd jump into the conference. So I jumped into the first couple of sessions uh, as a, a free ticket holder, just to kind of see what was going to be going on. And then uh, really enjoyed the content and the system offered me an opportunity for, I think my expense was 150 bucks to upgrade to a premium pass and visit all of three days worth of content. And I got to tell you, it was an absolutely great conference. I plan to try and attend it again, hopefully virtually next year. Not a big fan of in-person conferences right now, but I I plan to attend it again. As part of that conference, I caught myself taking a whole bunch of notes. And so I just wanted to share with you all some of the key takeaways that I learned as part of that conference, specifically around marketing your business through inbound marketing opportunities. Now, to set the stage straight for everyone, let's talk a bit for a moment about what inbound marketing is. So the easiest way I want you to think about inbound marketing is you have two ways you can market your business. You can have push activities. So think about um, sales calls, door knocking, billboards, all these things that you're pushing your message out in front of prospects, hoping they will see it, become interested, and then buy from you. Inbound marketing is more of a pull mechanism. It's using typically, uh, if you you heard of this idea of content, content falls underneath inbound marketing. It's using content and other activities to pull interested parties to you. You become a subject matter expert on a variety of topics and folks consume your content, build a relationship with you through your content, and then perhaps want to purchase one of your products or services. Uh, Social media is a great example of inbound marketing. It it might seem like push marketing because you're pushing your message out, but people are reading your content and then being pulled to you. Uh, The best example to give you of inbound marketing is what I'm doing right now. I'm publishing content for you to consume, hopefully around topics that are interesting to help you learn really good, valuable information to launch and grow a business with. And hopefully somewhere along the way, as you consume my content, my videos, we'll build a relationship and you'll feel like maybe there's something that any of my products or services can help you with and you might make a purchase in the future. So that is that is what inbound marketing is really all about. Now, I sat in in a bunch of sessions over three days. I'm not going to you know read off every title or who spoke about it, but I am going to give you some of the takeaways uh, in, in some of them. Uh, so just an example, the very first session, uh, the keynote session that I participated in was the CEO of the Mavericks. 
And uh, she is a, a diverse CEO, meaning she comes from a different ethnicity. Uh, I believe she's African-American and a female in charge of the Dallas Mavericks NBA team. And she had to talk a bit about leaving a legacy and a couple of things that came out of, out of uh, that session that I want you to take away. So there were three L's that she talked about in her, uh, in her session. And those are listen, learn, and love. And those were three L's that she believes are critical to have leadership, whether you are a CEO or even as just an individual contributor, have those three L's to be able to be a leader in your company. I think the listen and the love make perfect sense to a lot of people when you hear, I'm sorry, the listen and the learn make perfect sense to a lot of people when you hear those things, but maybe the love confuses you. And there was a little bit of a discussion in her session about, you know, love's place in a company. Uh, And she felt like, um, the CEO felt like love was critical, that you need to love your employees, your peers, your board members, really care about people, understand their whole life story, even before their career with you, that builds relationships in a business and helps you sort of work toward a common goal. And I have to say, I I struggled with it at first, but I've thought a bit about it. And I will tell you that it applies to something that I'm known to regularly say, particularly when I'm doing interviews for new roles. I will tell people that I believe business is personal. And I put that along the lines. I don't necessarily call it, you should love one another, but business to me is personal. So I can see the tie-in the tie-in there. Uh, her uh, The other thing she left that I thought was interesting was to think in terms of personal and professional goals. Back to this idea of building a relationship. You know, it's normal with people you work with to understand what their professional goals are, but do you dig into their personal life to know what they want to accomplish personally? This makes me think of a great book I read a while back. Uh, I believe it's called The Dream Weaver. And the idea was the company spent money actually helping people accomplish their personal dreams, not their professional dreams. And that made for better better employees. So a couple of takeaways there on, on, uh, on leadership. So the next session that I listened to that was of interest to me was this idea of email myths busted. And the, uh, the gentleman from subjectline.com that was sharing this session shared a lot of statistics on uh, the headers that go into emails. The first myth that he busted was that email was dead. It's not, it's still performing really, really well, but what he wanted to point out in your headlines, don't use trickery or what I would call clickbait to convince people to open your email. He said that that actually ends up backfiring on you and you'll lose opportunities with folks in the future. A couple of statistics he gave. So he said to use characters such as brackets and an asterisk in the subject line. And then when you do those, the open rates went up by 18%, which is a really nice, nice lift for email open rates. He said that fake mistake email open rates caused open rates to go up as high as 37%. What do I mean by fake email, uh, fake mistake uh, email opens? So what he said was, you can see the usage of words like, oops, look what I did in the headline. And that went up 37%. And then the following email would talk about mistakes that a company made. Comparisons work really great. So a versus... Uh, putting verses in the headline, the subject line caused email open rates to go up 21%. So if you were, so an example might for me be angel investors versus versus venture capital. Okay. So a comparison type thing uh, really helped. 
another great thing that worked great was, I thought this one was really interesting, was using uh, dot, 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 right? So he gave examples. The sales, the sale starts in dot, dot, dot. Have you seen dot, dot, dot? Listen, I need dot, dot, dot. I have a big question for you, dot, dot, dot. The usage of that little dot, dot, dot was really powerful for people. And he tied it to looking at messages on an iPhone. So if you've been in a in a message with someone in the past, you would you can think about when someone's starting to respond to you, but they haven't sent the text yet, you see these little dots coming across and that creates this sort of anticipation. We're using that in email headlines was really, really powerful. And then the last one from that session that I'll share with you is emoji usage is up 1700%. And I can say that I'm one of those folks that's jumped on that bandwagon. In my video default uploads, if you look below the description of this particular video, you'll see where I'm using emojis in front of every sentence when I talk about links to my website or links to my products, those types of things. That's up 1700% over the last 18 months. So uh, email, email, I'm sorry, emoji usage, really, really, really powerful. So then I participated in a session that debated something near and dear to my heart, which is a debate we're having when it comes to my content and it's video versus podcasting. So we had uh, one gentleman represent the video opportunity and a female CEO from another company called Casted representing the podcasting opportunity. And they went back and forth. Now, this session drove me a little crazy because, yes, they did a decent job trying to represent video versus podcasting, but they really kind of walked the fence and said really both. Uh, and I was hoping they'd be a little bit more definitive on one versus the other. So, But let me share you some of the things that, that they said that came out of it or notes that I made. Uh, so the production of video has become less expensive. You're not having to see these crazy production costs anymore. If you pay attention to my videos, any of them recently, you'll know it's always here in my home office. I don't spend a whole lot of or any production costs in trying to get it produced to make it look uh, fancier than it should be. I, I just want to put out content that I hope helps you grow your business. And so production costs are simple. I've got my computer and a mic and a small light just to keep the lighting decent. And here I am talking to you. Um, video adds more of a human element than podcasting. And I think that makes sense. We're visual people. Auditory is really a great way to learn things. It allows you to focus sometimes. So podcasts have that benefit, but video brings in a human element to what you're doing. You're getting to see me. You're getting to see how I move around and wave my hands constantly, all those kinds of things. Podcasting, the, the argument was podcasting tends to be more conversational. It's, it's really good for an interview. So whereas this is just me sort of sharing information with you, podcasting uh, is very conversational. Now, I will tell you, if you go back and look at when I used to do interviews as part of my videos, and we're actually considering doing it again, uh, it, pod, if you see the videos where I'm interviewing people, we turned those into a podcast as well. And I would tell you that video is just as conversational when you obviously have two people participating because you can feed off of each other's energy more, in my opinion, when you can see the reactions that person is having and those types of things. So I think they go, they do go really well together there. To me, the biggest benefit video versus podcasting for podcasting is that podcasting is just a bit more mobile. It's not as easy for you to consume my video on your phone, driving down the road in your car as it is a podcast. Podcasting is part of my every morning commute. When we take our, my daughter to school and when I'm returning home, I'm always listening to a podcast or an audiobook. I'm not sitting trying to consume a video. So I think the benefit for podcasting is really this idea of mobility that it can follow your listener wherever they are 
and I imagine that a lot of people are now doing video and podcasting together because you can listen to my podcast in the car or you can watch my video late at night when you get home. So some, some interesting comparisons of there. The last takeaway from that session was this, is to think in terms of connections, not just channels. Don't think video podcasting. Think about your audience and how you want to connect with them. If you're trying to decide right now that you want to start producing some content or grow your content, and you're trying to decide, do I put my energy into videos or podcasting? I want you to think about a couple of things. First of all, which is easier for you? Both are pretty inexpensive. I can use the same equipment I have right here to do a video and to do podcasts. I can use similar software, YouTube for videos, Anchor for my podcast. Very easy, inexpensive to use. How do you come across the best? Do you feel like you're better as a visual presenter? Or maybe you're more comfortable knowing or, or knowing that you're not being recorded and you're just speaking into a microphone. When you think about the content you want to produce, think about the connection you want to create with your audience and how you're most comfortable doing that. I think that'll lead you in the right direction. And then the last session I want to share with you is this idea. Uh, I'm actually going to read this one to you. It was supercharge your inbound marketing and sales with customer voice content. It was from a gentleman from Slap5. Uh, I'm guessing that's kind of saying high five. So the things that he shared was a few pieces of content can be used to accomplish the voice of your customer. You know, I end all my videos with, I hope you find your voice. And the whole idea is you as an entrepreneur, you as a freelancer, you as a startup founder, you have a voice that you're trying to share. It's not just about you. It's also the voice of your company and what you're trying to accomplish and your passion, the solution that you're bringing to the world. A lot of the times, the right thing to do is to include your customer's voice into your content. And so there are a couple of ways that you can do that that are really, really powerful. The first one is just case studies. You can produce case studies. So let's say like me, you've written a business plan for someone. They use that business plan to then go to a lender and they got a million dollar or like a recent video, a $4.3 million business loan. That would be a great case study for me to produce about the process that we went through, the outcome and those types of things. Lots of people love to have testimonials but not just written testimonials. Can you include the voice of your customer through recorded testimonials? Uh, the gentleman in the presentation showed a website that actually used recorded video testimonials of his customers. And those customers were addressing regular questions that people might ask of the solution provider of his company, right? So it was a customer fielding an FAQ type question. And that was including the voice of customer in your content. You can do a buyer's guide. Um, the, the thing about this is when it comes to testimonials is that the opinion of the speaker was stop asking for testimonials, ask customers to share how their experience was, and then use that information. A lot of times when you're asking for a testimonial, it kind of comes out as a canned response. Whereas if you say, how was the experience when you went through this process with me? And when they give you a great answer, then you can say, is that something I could use as a testimonial? Instead of saying, can you give me a testimonial, right? It's flipping it around to where you're asking their experience and then turning that into a testimonial instead of putting them on the spot saying, you know, give me something great that I can put in writing on my website. Give customers multiple choices to use their own story in your story. And that's really important because as you should know by now, people don't care about what you are saying. They want to hear what past customers have to say. When you're talking about yourself, your marketing is not going to be as effective. 
But when you have customers who are willing to talk about what it was you did for them, that is exceptionally, exceptionally powerful. So the conference was fantastic. I highly recommend it for everyone. Put it on your calendar. Go hunt it down. The date when it's going to be out there, uh, inbound 2022, I guess. I'd say it'll be about a year from now. So look for it in October, maybe virtual again, which would be excellent for folks like me who like virtual conferences instead of having to travel. I highly recommend you take advantage of it, especially for $150. Well worth it. One of the things I did that you can't see right now, but if you go to the blog post where I wrote on this, you can download my actual notes and every bit of it um, is leaving that uh, set those sessions, I would go and have a question section where I would ask myself really important takeaways like, how could I include certifications in my content? Should I build out a partner program and content around that? Um, another thing that was talked about is how do I build in bandwidth to update my existing content? So one of the speakers was talking about not just creating new content, but revisiting old content and upgrading it uh, as you go. So I'm looking at maybe taking a week out of every month where I just go back and update old content. So there were tons of takeaways. And um, if you wanted to go check out the blog post, I'll reference it here for you. You can go take a look at that and you can download my notes inside of Notion and see everything that I took as a takeaway from all the sessions. And you can see my individual takeaways and how I'm thinking about those things. Anyways, till next time, I hope you hope that helps. I hope you find your voice. Have a great day.